Hi, and welcome to Right to Life of Michigan's Life Beat podcast. Today, I am with Genevieve Martin, our legislative director. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for joining us today to talk about the one-year anniversary of the Dobbs versus Jackson's Women's Health Organization case. It's very exciting that we're one year later, post-row. So today we're just going to talk a little bit about how this all happened, the history of the Dobbs case, and what it looks like today, one year later, um, with Roe overturned for other states and then for Michigan, obviously. Hey, sounds good. So if we just want to get right into... I guess from your your uh, point of view, being our legislative director, maybe just a little bit of history and some background on this court case. So, you know, the, since the beginning, since Roe versus Wade was passed in 1973, the pro-life strategy has been to eventually get a case to the Supreme Court that would overturn Roe. I mean, it's a very tall order considering that, you know, less than 1% of all Supreme Court decisions have ever been overturned. So um, it was not, uh, it was a very daunting task that the pro-life movement set out to do. And many, many cases have been, you know, brought to the Supreme Court over the years, uh, including the Casey case, uh, Planned Parenthood of Southeast Pennsylvania versus Casey. And at that time, we really thought the court would overrule Roe, and unfortunately, they didn't. Then we had another case, the Hollerstadt case, and we thought that might do it. And finally, this case out of Mississippi, where they tried to institute a 15-week ban on abortion, but that's considered pre-viability and therefore would bump up against the Roe versus Wade standard. However, uh, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals agreed that Mississippi should have the right to ban abortions on fully formed 15-week-old um, unborn babies. And that we, you know, so we ended up working our way through the court system and we finally got it up to the Supreme Court. Um, and largely the reason for the overruling of Roe was because we finally had enough pro-life Supreme Court justices to realize that it was time that Roe versus Wade was egregiously wrong, to quote uh, the opinion in Dobbs, and it was time to do away with this uh, discovered right to abortion in the U.S. Constitution. So for someone, obviously people that, um, you know, know what's happening in the pro-life movement probably know a little bit about the history. Um So I think it'd be interesting if we got into just a little bit deeper questions that we could be asking. And so one that I think is a good question to ask is, um, you pointed out that we've had several cases go to the Supreme Court and they were never, Roe v. Wade was never overturned because we didn't have a majority in the Supreme Court that would overturn it. Um, do you think that it's a possibility in the future that our Supreme Court, the makeup of it could change and another case could come about and then this, and then it could all change again? 
I think that's highly unlikely given how groundbreaking the Dobbs decision was. I mean, I don't think people really realize the gravity of the Dobbs decision. The Dobbs decision didn't just say, you know, hey, those justices in 1973 were wrong. They were egregiously wrong. They were, they, they made up a right to abortion out of whole cloth. There's absolutely nothing in the federal constitution, no matter how you look at it, that says there's a right to abortion in the Michigan or in the federal constitution. That being said, until or unless there were a change in the constitution, a, an objective change, uh, an amendment or whatever, guaranteeing the right to abortion in the, in the U.S. constitution, I don't think another court's going to do what the Roe court did and discover that right. Um, instead, what they did is they sent the decision back to the elected representatives of the United States, including the state representatives or the Congress, to to decide what we're going to do as a country with regard to abortion. You and I actually got the opportunity last December 2021, correct? Yeah. To go to the oral arguments. And it was really exciting to be there and to hear the oral arguments oral arguments because I think it was pretty much well known after that that there was a pretty good chance it was going to get overturned and everyone was very excited obviously if um, they supported abortion they were not excited because I think overall everyone kind of knew the direction that it was going and then of course we had the leak about a month before the actual decision came out. How do you think that um, changed things if we hadn't had the leak? Oh, that, you know, again, I don't think people realize how unprecedented that leak was. I mean, the idea that a Supreme Court decision, especially one of this magnitude, would be leaked. And over a year, a year later, over a year later, we still have no one in custody. No one is being held accountable for the absolute disruption that that leak caused around the country with all kinds of protests. Pregnancy centers were being firebombed. Uh, churches were being desecrated because people were incensed about this uh, leak. And even though it wasn't even the official uh, decision yet. So that was it was unprecedented. And, and everybody should be upset by that because. If it can happen to this particular decision, that Supreme Court is not the bastion of neutrality that that it should have been. Uh, but back to your point about the Dobbs decision, the oral arguments, you're right. It was a very exciting day uh, listening to those. And why it was exciting for somebody who's pro-life and who's been following this is because those justices in their line of questioning dismantled all of the ridiculous constitutional arguments that have been being put forth by the other side. And it was very obvious that from a legal and legis- from a legal standpoint, there was no constitutional right to abortion. And they did a very good job of dismantling all of those arguments. But um, the leak made a profound difference in the state of Michigan um, in ways that are absolutely devastating and um, somebody should be held accountable. Yes, it caused destruction around the country, but in Michigan, it literally was the difference between Prop 3 passing and Prop 3 not passing. Yeah, I think that's definitely an interesting point that 
probably not a lot of people know is how it affected the um, Proposal 3 campaign here in Michigan. Um, Definitely gave the Proposal 3 campaigners something to push for for people to sign. Um, And it put, you know, it made it more urgent for them to get their signatures. And so obviously they did right after that leak. Oh, was it, I believe, if I recall, the numbers were in the neighborhood of 90% of the signatures were gathered after the leak. In other words, the campaign, the Reproductive Freedom for All campaign, was, was, was floundering. They were not getting their signatures. They did not have the oomph, if, they, if you will, that they needed to get the pro- prerequisite number of signatures before the deadline. And they were very much not on, uh, they were not on task. To, to meet the deadline with the number of signatures that they needed based on how many they had gathered up through the uh, May leak of the Dobbs decision. After that, not only did it spur momentum for people, it gave them, them the Reproductive Freedom for All campaign, millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of media advertisement because in every single media article that mentioned the leak, the leak and the Dobbs decision, it also mentioned, oh, and by the way, Prop 3 is going on in, in the state of Michigan. It wasn't called Prop 3 back then. It was the Reproductive Freedom for All campaign. You can find a way to, to keep abortion legal in the state of Michigan if you sign on to the campaign. You know, so it was almost like free media advertising because of the leak. And that was the difference. They would not have made their signatures and they would not have made it on the ballot. And we would not be sitting here with abortion legal in the state of Michigan, but for the leak, in my opinion. Yeah, I I think if you looked pretty closely at um, the timeline and everything that happened, most people would agree that it probably would not have even gotten onto the ballot (laughs) if um, that leak had not happened. Um, and obviously that was horrible. Um, something that happened that was not great after the um, overturning of Roe. Um, but there was also a lot of positive things that happened um, in this last year since the Dobbs case. Um, and that's really what we need to be focusing on as this one year anniversary comes up um, in Michigan, it is still not very positive here, but for other states, it is it is a great thing that's happened um, and lives are being saved. So let's talk a little bit about that. 100%, you know, we can't just look at the Dobbs decision in, in the vacuum of Michigan. We need to look at it as something that has affected our whole country. And the net effect of the Dobbs decision has been nothing short of miraculous. It has saved thousands and thousands and thousands of lives, of unborn babies' lives. It's closed abortion clinics in various states. Uh, my understanding is 19 states have now put forth some form of ban, 15 weeks or less. 14 states have a, a, a current complete ban um, on abortion. Um, and, and so, and we're seeing more and more states moving to restrict abortion far beyond what they were allowed to do under the Roe regime. And so that, as a, as a net 
positive has been huge. And it's something that, again, in 1973, had you asked pro-lifers whether or not this day would have happened, uh, I think a lot of them might have been suspect. And so this is totally a day to rejoice in the fact that lives have been saved for the last year. Yes, definitely. And speaking about other states, you know, because the Dobbs case allowed it for um, all these decisions to go back to each state, um, we're seeing a lot of movement in every state. And, you know, Michigan had their own ballot proposal. And I believe that there's a couple other states that are also going through that same process because they're able to now. So, um what what states are currently in transition or could possibly be in transition? Meaning transition from what to what? I'm not sure I'm understanding the question, sorry. Um, meaning they are going through a ballot proposal or they could be or... Um, well, we know they... that Ohio is facing a ballot initiative to put a constitutional right to abortion in the, in the Ohio Constitution. Um, there are several other states that are, are playing with the idea, but you got to remember too, Michigan is, um, not every state in the union has the ability for citizens to amend their constitution. So this won't be a, what, what happened in Michigan, we will not see happening across the country because not all states can do what we did, what they did here. So, but there are, there are definitely they pro-abort. Are pro people who are pro-abortion are definitely uh, targeting the states where citizens' initiatives um, can can alter the constitution of those states. So we will have to be out on the on the lookout for those kinds of things. Yeah, I think that's definitely important to talk about. Um, just because, you know, Michigan, we could have used all the support and awareness that we, you know, we could get, and so. Um, having gone through that, it's important to make sure that people know other states are going through that. So maybe they could help in any way possible or spread the word. Oh, um, 100%. Yeah, I think yeah. we were, in fact, we were the test case. I mean, they said, uh, the supporters of the Reproductive Freedom for All campaign said, we want Michigan to be like the model. This is the one we want to use to replicate around the country. Um, and I And I'm afraid that that that's what they're planning to do. But I, I think people were, our the Reproductive Freedom for All campaign was already in swing. It was already in process based on the oral arguments in December. They didn't waste any time. They went right into the motions of get, you know starting their campaign. And we were right in the throes of that when the Dobbs decision was handed down. We didn't have hardly any time to breathe, so to speak. Whereas now, these, these other states we can we can put the word out. Um, hopefully, support from around the country will pour into these states because that's the other thing is we were outspent what two to one from out of state millionaires who poured millions and millions of dollars into the reproductive freedom for all campaign here, where we got very 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 little money from other out of state interests um, with regard to help on our side. So um, hopefully that will not happen in other states. Yes, definitely. That's why it's just bringing awareness to it. I don't know if a lot of people are aware that this is going on right now in other states. Um, and I think it was the ACLU 
that, like you said, came out and said, we created this language and we want to get it to as many states as that we can um, in hopes that, you know, this will be the case in a lot of states that don't that either have restrictions or don't have anything. Correct. Now, one other thing I want to point out that I think a lot of people aren't really focused on with regard to the Dobbs decision. So, you know, we keep talking about how the Dobbs decision sent the abortion decision back to the state. Well, that's not entirely true. It said to the elected representative. So, you know, this is another thing that we need to keep in mind that despite the fact that maybe Michigan or some other states will adopt a constitutional right to abortion in their state, if the federal government passes a law that says, in, in essence, that the unborn child is a person um, with protection under the 14th Amendment to due process, then that, in theory, could be a game changer nationwide. And that's something that I, I think pro-lifers are exploring at this moment, which would be fantastic. But, you know, I think our country is going through a major flux right now with regard to are we as a nation going to defend the most vulnerable among us, the unborn child? So right now we've got a lot to, we've got a lot to be hopeful for. Lots of, lots of babies have been saved. A lot of states are moving very quickly to, to put more restrictions on abortion and, and more protections for the unborn child in place. And, um, I think we, we really need to savor that moment. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I definitely think that after Roe v. Wade was overturned, we didn't celebrate enough. We didn't stop and think, this is an amazing thing that has just happened. And there's so much to look forward to now and in the future of, of you know, what could happen and what this means for life, um, especially in Michigan, because we were very preoccupied um <laughs> that's an understatement we, that's a total understatement preoccupied doesn't even <laughs> scratch the surface <laughs> yeah yeah no um yeah but i i don't think we really s- stopped and we obviously celebrated and we're so excited but um on this one year anniversary i think now is the time to to look around, see what's been done, how many lives have been saved, um, see that it is possible in these other states that minds are being changed and that, you know, the people that were so worried about about laws that regulate abortion or pro-life laws, they were so worried about them that it could hurt a woman or it could take away autonomy or whatever they were fearful of. Um, that those things didn't didn't come true, fortunately. And right. so, um, I think that's I, another. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. I think we're gonna see the effect of abortion states versus abortion free states, and really what the health outcomes are for women and for babies, and and all the way around. And you know how overwhelmed are their emergency rooms in abortion states, for example. Um, I think once we start to really um, stratify all the data between what's it look like in an abortion state versus an abortion-free state, it might help change the hearts and minds of those people, like you said, who were who voted for things like Proposition 3 or voted for pro, pro-abortion laws out of fear. 
the, the, the lies that uh, women experiencing miscarriage aren't going to get treatment or women having an ectopic pregnancy aren't going to get care. It's just patently untrue. But this was the fear that was being um, generated. And so when we see that those fears don't play out, that might be an opportunity to change hearts and minds. But I also want, if you don't mind, I want to go back for just a second. And I want to lay this out, especially for Michigan listeners. You know, in 1972, Michigan faced a ballot initiative to legalize abortion. And pro-lifers around the, around the state mobilized to try and defeat Proposition B on the 1972 ballot. And we were successful. We, we were very, we were successful. We defeated it 60 to 40, only to have that thrown away a few months later by the Supreme Court with the Roe versus Wade decision. Yet we didn't just say, Oh, well, I guess there's nothing we could do. There's a constitutional right to abortion. We should just pack up and go home. And woe is me. Instead, we said, Nope, we're going to buckle down. You know, we're going to lick our wounds. And then we're going to buckle down and we're going to figure out how can we fix lives even with Roe. And that's exactly what we're doing in Michigan. How can we save lives even with Proposition 3 in place? And eventually, we have to continue to keep our eyes on the prize. And that is an abortion-free state, an abortion-free country. And it won't take 50 years to overturn Proposition 3 like it did to overturn Roe. So I think people just need to be encouraged that even though it looks dark in Michigan right now, we've got light coming in from around the country, and we've got hope that eventually we will be able to become an abortion-free state. Yes, and I think now is the perfect time to focus on abortion obviously is an option in Michigan, but what about the option to choose life and just um, really taking this time to to make a case for life, to say this is why you should choose life um, is really going to be our focus moving forward um, because you can't deny the fact that abortion is a constitutional right right now in Michigan um, and you can't just ignore that. And so really working on reaching each and every woman changing minds is going to be is really going to be important and set us up for the future when we do try to um you know change the constitution and hopefully um take abortion out of it 100 percent. you know we need to make abortion the unchoice we need to make abortion unthinkable in the minds of society um and that's going to take a lot of conversation and a lot of um outreach. Uh, we need to make sure that, you know, people understand that, you know, pregnancy is, is, is temporary and abortion is forever. Um, and we need to help people through that temporary um, period of an unexpected pregnancy. Um, and I think that it's good to highlight the fact that we have about 150 pregnancy resource centers scattered all around the state that are, will come around a woman, a family uh, in need who are experiencing an un, unexpected pregnancy and provide them with love and support and, and material goods and, um, and all of that. So um, I also think we need to, you know, help change the mindset that, you know, 
women can women can handle a lot more than than a lot of people give us credit for. Yes, um, this idea that you know a, a woman has to somehow not be able to finish college because she faces an unplanned pregnancy. Well, well that that seems preposterous to me. Somebody who graduated seven months pregnant with my second child. Um, you know, the solution is not abortion. The solution is okay. What's the problem? Let's find a solution that doesn't include the death of an unborn child. And that's, I think, part of what we as a pro-life movement are going to have to start doing is providing those solutions um, that don't include the death of an unborn child. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a really great opportunity to empower women and let them know that we believe in them and that they are strong enough to to do this and they don't they don't need an an in quotes easy fix um because we know it's not easy um so definitely a lot of really exciting things to come from Michigan and for Michigan even though we are not in a very ideal situation at the moment um, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to say for the one year anniversary of Dobbs? No, other than to, I really do think it's a great idea to focus on the fact that while, you know, in Michigan, we're not able to legally protect lives. That doesn't mean that the abortion narrative that's played out in the state, in the United States since the Dobbs decision, hasn't affected other people. I mean, the idea that there are states that are abortion-free might be enough to empower a Michigan woman to say, you know what, other women in other states are choosing life, I guess I can too. You know, there's a psychological impact uh, with regard to that. And of course, the thousands and thousands of babies who've been saved. Um, and I think we need to focus uh, on that. And, and I, I'm, certainly, I'm certainly celebrating the one-year anniversary with that in mind, despite it being dark here in Michigan right now. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, and we will continue to celebrate this one year anniversary. It is technically on Saturday, um, but if you check out our website or any of our social medias, we've been celebrating it all this week and we will continue to do so. So thank you, Genevieve, for joining me today and I hope that everyone has a great weekend.